0: What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the Hoops Hype podcast. This season, the Atlanta Hawks have been in more rumors than a high school teenager in the hallways surrounding Nate McMillan's future, whether John Collins would be traded, if the pairing of Trey Young and DeJounte Murray could work, and plenty more. So after making the blockbuster trade to acquire Murray in the offseason and the team hovering around 500 the Hawks fired McMillan, and now they've hired Quinn Snyder as their new coach. So what does the hiring of Snyder mean for the Hawks this season and the futures of Trey Young and John Collins? My guest, the lovely Lauren Williams of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and I are going to answer those questions and more on the latest edition of the Hoops High podcast. Lauren, appreciate you joining me and Congratulations. I believe you're the first female guest that we've had on the podcast. So you're breaking barriers. Welcome okay. aboard.
1: Listen, we're looking to continue breaking these glass ceilings here. So I'm honored to be the first female guest. And, you know, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: My pleasure. I mean, you have certainly kept up with the the days of our lives soap opera that's been <laughs> the hawks so far this year. Um, you know, I. I had to tell Chris Kirshner, I know somewhere in, in Tampa, Florida, you know, he's he's a little disappointed somewhere while he's filming batting practice. I know, you know, with the Yankees, he's moved on, but I couldn't think of a better replacement to have on. And you've done great work with these with these guys. You've been reporting news as well. So I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, a lot. We got plenty to get into, but I mean, I think the the newest thing for the Hawks right now, Lauren, obviously the hiring of Quinn Snyder. And and really, what does it mean for this season and beyond? I mean, when I, when I talk to executives, um, many executives believe the Hawks got arguably the best coach on the market in, in Quinn Snyder. And I'll share with you two quotes that I got from two different GMs. The first one was, um, the Hawks were wise to get Quinn off the market before other teams could come calling. Uh, an NBA GM told me, he'll set the culture. Those that can embrace it will thrive. And those that won't or don't won't be in Atlanta for long. I thought that last part was pretty interesting. And then Mm -hmm. the other GM said, I love the Snyder hire. Uh, He's one of the smartest coaches in the game. He understands today's players as well as anyone. And he builds relationships with his guys. You can't ask for more in a coach. I think he'll use the next 20 games to build those relationships and figure out what the team needs moving forward while trying to win and make a playoff push. There's going to be a lot of team building over the next month. So, Lauren, I mean, in, in talking with other executives, obviously they like to hire, and others I've talked to think that he's going to have input on the roster decisions and work closely with GM Landry Fields to shape the roster. You were there when Landry introduced Quinn, and they had the press conference, and you've been around this team all year. So I wanted to ask you, in your opinion, what does this, hiring mean for the Atlanta Hawks going forward this season and potentially with Trey and and John as we look ahead?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the quotes from the GMs that you spoke to, particularly that second one where they were saying that those who buy into the cultural changes that Quinn Snyder brings to this organization, they're either going to thrive or they won't, <laughs> so who who those guys are will you know it, it remains to be seen, but by all accounts, when you look at the early returns or at least the early statement that that these guys are are saying, they're praising Quinn snyder's attention to detail, they're praising how he teaches, and they all always felt like that was something that was missing in the previous uh coaching regime and Um, They're excited. They're really, really excited for the opportunity to work with a coach of Quinn Snyder's caliber, somebody who has taken not just a team to the playoffs one year, but multiple years in a row. And so when Landry Fields introduced Quinn Snyder, I mean, first of all, when, when we talked to Landry Fields post the firing of head coach Nate McMillan, He talked a lot about accountability being something that he was looking for in a new head coach. And then when you talk to guys like John Collins and and DeJounte Murray and Clint Capella following that firing of Nate McMillan, again, they, they, they pointed to feeling as though accountability was not a part of the culture that they had with the Hawks. So now with Quinn being in the mix, it feels as though that new voice that's coming in Um, And the fact that Quinn is known as a guy who uh, is player development first and and trying to build these guys up, not just as players, but also as men. It just seems like it's a home run for them not to mix (laughs) sports metaphors in there, but it just seems like by all accounts, everything is moving in the direction that this front office wants it to be or wants it to move, especially because they're trying to build a championship caliber roster. And um, though, when we we talked to both Landry Fields and Quinn Snyder at the introductory press conference, and then when I had a one-on-one with Quinn Snyder, he he just said that, you know, he's here to coach. Um, you know, I asked him how much of a say he would have in some of those personnel discussions. Decisions, and even though it seems like he'll have a voice, it doesn't seem like he'll be the end all and be all of those decisions that's going to be for the front office to make. But it seems like they're going to weigh his opinion pretty heavily. Um, and, and again, maybe I'm interpreting what he said, uh, differently than what he meant, but I'm just trying to find that quote for you so that I can let you know. But I did ask him, I said, uh, we talked talked a bit about the roster, looking ahead, you know, there's some news out there about what your role is going to be in terms of helping to form the roster. How much voice would you say that you have in developing that or in building it? And he said, not that specific part of the question, but generally speaking, he said it's going to be a partnership. So when you hear the word partnership, it definitely seems like his voice will carry some weight.
0: I'm curious to see, I think more than anything, how it, how that weight carries with Trey Young. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is his third, you know, this is his third head coach now. And I I think that's kind of the elephant in the room here. And as we get, as we look ahead, because like the way I'm looking at it, Lauren, it's like, and, and in talking with others around the league, it's like, look, he's got 20 games. Mm -hmm. I don't think like all of a sudden the, the playbook x's and o's is going to be that drastically implemented at this point and if anything this is just a hands-on opportunity for him Mm -hmm. get to know these guys on a personal level and see what it looks like looking ahead as far as whether these guys are fits or not and you know with trey like we said it's third coach i i was curious more from like a a scheming concept so i talked with a couple of scouts and and one scout in particular told me he doesn't see Quinn Snyder implementing a ton offensively right now since No,
1: I would the, agree with that.
0: Yeah, since like the according to the scout, he was saying the current Hawks roster doesn't have enough shooting for his system and mm-hmm. they don't have enough practice time to learn the complexities of his offense, but I thought this was kind of like the second part of that GM quote. I thought this was interesting. The the scout said He believes this is Trey Young's last shot in Atlanta since this is going to be his third coach, which is a sentiment that others around the league have suggested. You've got the best coach on the market. You know, this isn't a situation like when Lloyd Pierce was there and it was a rebuilding situation. You know, Nate was a short term fix, but never was going to be the long term guy. He kind of resisted even taking the job at first. (laughs) Um, I mean, when you look at this, you know, you see Trey and Quinn walk off together after the game the other night. Lauren, from your perspective, what is the pulse on Trey one from, I would say the fans, but also from ownership down, like is, 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 I don't know if I would call it a bullseye, but are are eyeballs kind of on Trey young here that it's like, we've got a coach now that should be able to maximize your talent. It's on you now.
1: Yeah. I mean, when we again, when we talked to Landry Fields after they moved on from Nate, I mean, he said that whoever came in, and obviously in this case, it's now Quinn Snyder, they'd be empowered to hold players accountable and do what they needed to do to win ball games. And so that tells me that, you know, Trey Young is going to be that guy that has to either you know, grow up and buy into what Quinn, Quinn Snyder is going to try to implement in terms of scheme wise, whatever it is. But also this is, you know, this is a feeling out process for them. This is a, this is a chance for them to figure out how best each other works. And of course, uh, 20 games is not necessarily a lot of time to do so, but it's the time that they're given. And especially because they're trying to make a playoff push and get out of the playing spot, whether they'll be able to do that time will tell, but, um, because they're trying to make that push, I think, you know, it's going to be the perfect time for them because how, how, how better to get, uh, to know someone than when the pressure is high. Right. And you get to learn how they operate when, um, things aren't going well. Uh, you get to learn how they operate when things are going well. And I think, Tuesday night's game against the
0: Wizards. I want to say the Wizards.
1: Yes. I was like, who did they just play? We're at the point of the season where it's like, I can't keep track of every single year.
0: You, you've got blurred lines like Robin. Yeah. Cook. I, I understand.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think last night or Tuesday night's game against the Wizards was really the perfect opportunity for Quinn Snyder to really see what a Hawks experience at a game is like for a full uh, 60 seconds. He got to see all of the highs of them kind of breaking through that hump of the Wizards getting an early lead. He saw the lows of them giving up that lead. He saw some of the hero ball as people tried to take things onto their shoulders um, to try and win the game, which I, I understand it's natural, but You know, Quinn Snyder is a guy who's really about team basketball, and that's something um, I feel like this team has somewhat lacked, especially in clutch moments consistently. uh, They often turn to that iso ball as opposed to moving the ball around, which is something that typically works well for them in games. Um, It's what helps them build leads. And, you know, it's unfortunate that you see them reverting to these old patterns you know, even when they see that it doesn't work. But since Quinn Snyder is a guy who, you know, pays attention to detail, uh, we heard from DeJounte Murray in shoot-around before the Wizards game that he was calling everybody out. And so, you know, right now it works, but long-term, we'll see how that plays out.
0: What's your sense on how Trey Young feels about the hiring of Quinn Snyder?
1: I mean, I don't want to put words into anyone's mouth but when we talked to him after you know again i keep bringing back Nate, bringing up the firing of Nate McMillan but if you think about it that only happened one week ago <laughs> mm-hmm. it has it's it's barely been a full it's it's it just hit the one week mark uh, on tuesday but uh, when we talked to him on thursday at shoot around before their game or excuse me friday at shoot around before their game against the cavaliers Trey said he didn't care who the team brought in as the next head coach. And he said that he put a lot of trust in into that front office to make the right decision. So I'm going to take him at his word that, again, he put his trust in the front office, that they would make the right decision and find the right fit. Um, Just because I don't want to I don't want to speculate and and read into too much. I'm going to take him at face value until uh, his actions say or do otherwise.
0: I mean, look, for Trey, there was a time when it seemed like he had to answer questions about whether he was a winning player or not, and he seemed like he did that when he took them to the Eastern Conference Finals in 2021. Then the dreadful series against Miami in the first round, that kind of, I don't want to say negated it, but it definitely was a, a blemish on the resume. But time will tell with Quinn. I mean, look, ultimately, I can't really think of a better coach you could have on the market. You know, I'm sure some would wonder maybe like, on paper, like, well, would Ime Udoka have been a fit there? But I never got a sense that he was a real yeah. candidate there. It always seemed like Quinn. They were always. It always seemed to me, Lauren, like they were going from the Mike Budenholzer coaching tree with Quinn, Kenny Atkinson, Charles Lee. And I got to tell you, this is while, you know, Nate McMillan was coaching at the start yeah. of the year and there were no issues. I even heard from like the beginning of the year, just like whispers that Quinn Snyder, Kenny Atkinson, Charles Lee, all those guys were potential guys to keep an eye on and sure enough you know before the before the body's cold at the morgue you know for (laughs) for Nate, it's like boom every you know the names are getting out and everything and it just seemed like this was kind of on the the back burner a little bit but you know equally as much as there was a lot of talk about the coaching situation you know lauren there was as much speculation rumors it's almost like john collins could have been on the cover of like E Magazine or something. You know? <laughs> there were so many trade rumors. I mean, John Collins was linked with several teams, uh including the Jazz, the Pacers, Wizards, the Nets at one point, and others. So he's got another $78.5 million over the next three seasons if he were to exercise his player option for the 2025, 20, 26 season. A lot of money. Some teams around the league view that as a negative asset. The Hawks obviously do not. They want they view him as a positive asset, and he's been their most dangled trade chip. I'm curious, from your sp- perspective, being on the ground there day to day, what do you think this means for the future of John Collins as we head into uh, the off season, and for him, what's been statistically a down year with with a ball dominant hard yeah. lineup with Trey Young and Dejounte Murray?
1: Yeah, I think. The hiring of Quinn Snyder to me says that they still somewhat view him as a part of this this roster, right? Because both he and Clint Capella, you know, they're it's almost like their bread and butter is to operate in the pick and roll. They're both great rollers. I asked Quinn about that um, in our one on one, and he had high praise for their ability as rollers, and so. Kyle Korver, I, I keep saying this, and I've said this in a few interviews, but my boss, Chris Vivlemore, he was talking to Kyle Korver, and Corver called Quinn Snyder a pick-and-roll savant. And so if you're going out and getting that kind of guy, that to me tells me that you want to keep or at least find the types of coaches that can amplify the strengths of your roster. And so, again, these 20 games will be – a really big feeling out process for, for Quinn and figuring out if John is a permanent or not permanent, but a long-term fit in what they're trying to do, or if it's Capella, who is the long-term fit, or if they want to try and keep both of them, how best can they create these rotations so that, um, one, they're, they're getting the most effective spacing, um, like you said, this team isn't shooting nearly as well as, you know, some of the teams that Quinn has coached in the past. Um, two, maybe Quinn pairs John with a different center like Onyeka Kangu. And then Quinn, or excuse me, Clint plays with, say, Sadiq Bey. And that kind of offsets some of that spacing a little differently so that, you know, they're both operating in different ways. And again, he can maximize their strengths. Or again, maybe he's like, hmm, neither of them are a fit. Let's go ahead and find something else. Um, So I think there's still a lot of questions uh, as far as, you know, where things stand, just because Quinn has barely been on the ground for two days. He had one game on Tuesday and he had to lean heavily on assistant Joe Prunty for that. And then, you know, he's just only had his first practice under his belt on Wednesday. So yeah, I think it's still super early. He's still learning this roster and, um, I think we'll maybe start to see his thought process after, um, a few more games.
0: I think, I think some of it's going to depend on a playoff success or, you know, if they get there, you know, and where they fall by the end yeah. of the year. Um, John just always seems to be dangled out there. He's like, yeah. uh, debate when you go out on a fishing trip. But I'll say this, I'm not surprised Quinn was had high praise for him. I mean, I, I think, you know, unlike Doc Rivers, who, you know, pretty much threw, you know, Ben Simmons under the bus. <laughs> normally a coach isn't going to do that. And also if you are going to trade the guy, you want to prop him up and keep his value up. But they already made a big trade and they got DeJounte Murray.
1: Yeah. And
0: you know, it's interesting that a lot of people, I remember when they first got DeJounte Murray, you know, all oh, the draft picks and then Rudy Gobert gets acquired and it's like, pfft, that was nothing.
1: Exactly. You no. Know?
0: So now the thing with this pairing with DeJounte Murray and Trey Young, like. You look at it on paper and you're like, ah, even when Atlanta made the move, mm-hmm. some of them internally were like, ah, we don't know if it's going to work, but yeah. we got to give it a shot. So. Offensively, DeJounte Murray's scoring at about the same clip as last year. He's shooting better from three point percentage at about 36.7% um, from last year, but his rebounding and assist numbers are down. And then you got yeah. Trey Young. His shooting from the field and his three point percentage are down significantly. In terms of this pair,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what would you say? Like, how has how this pair been? And if you can shed any light behind the scenes on how the two of them coexist as the stars of this team.
1: Yeah. What's interesting is that, you know, I think that they're still learning each other, especially even like it's surprising that it's taken this long for them to learn each other. um, Especially considering the reports that Trey wanted Dejounte to to come to Atlanta, but
0: that's what um, he told me over the summer. Dejounte said, yeah. like when we were at that, uh, was that a New Balance uh, event, yeah. and he's like, "Yeah, Trey wanted me." Go, oh, okay,
1: yeah. Oh. <laughs> so I think the thing too to 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 think about is all of the, and I'm sure you've heard this as well, but Trey is. He's a he's a nice guy, but, you know, sometimes he has some trouble endearing himself to his teammates off the court. I mean, at least that's what I heard. And so, you know, by all accounts, they they like playing with him. But sometimes when I look at the groups and who's close with who, um, I often see DeJounte. Um, John Collins, Onyeka kangu DeAndre Hunter, um, that's the crew. Um, and then it's like almost everybody else is kind of uh, trickling in and out, so to speak. But, you, you know, you would think that if Trey wanted, and again, this is just speculation, um, you know, they know what goes on in their locker room way more than I do. But you would think with Trey wanting DeJounte there, that they would be a little bit closer than they are. And, you know, by all accounts, it could be that Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown sort of thing where it's like, yeah, we like each other, but we're not best friends, you know? Um, and and so that's that could be essentially what it is. It's, you know, they like each other, but they don't necessarily want to be best friends, or, you know, they're still learning each other and figuring out who the other person is. And, you know, they have both said that stuff like that takes time. And, you know, I think they still want people to be patient with how they're trying to figure that chemistry out. You know, it's, it's, it's tough. I think Landry feels kind of said it best at the beginning of the season where it's like, they both have to figure out who's going to be the person that sacrifices what, when. And so I think when you're both used to being kind of, the, the lead ball handler, it just, it's going to take some time to kind of figure out when one person needs to step back and when the others can shine. And I feel like when we've seen them at their best, it's when they're actively making those sacrifices. And so you just kind of hope that you see more of that as this season progresses and DeJounte's tenure in Atlanta continues or Trey's tenure in Atlanta continues um, through his contract that he's already signed.
0: It's interesting to hear kind of that, the the grouping of who's the crew, you know, I'm not, I'm not not saying I thought like, you know, Bogdan Bogdanovich was having every, everybody over for a barbecue, but uh, (laughs) interesting, you know, there are those team dynamics and certain guys are are closer with different people. The,
1: I'm just saying who I've often seen, Seen grouped together frequently. Clint's, Clint's often in that grouping as well, I will add, as well as Bogey. Um, so, I, like I said, everybody, you know, trickles in and out. And it it doesn't say, you know, who likes who more or, or whatever. It just seems like those guys are the closest. But. No,
0: listen, I, I can understand that. And I mean, look, I, I kind of joked about Bogdan Bogdanovich, but he's also another guy that you got to look at ahead towards the future because. For Bogdan Bogdanovich, he's, he's got his player option. So Bogdan Bogdanovich is expected to enter free agency this summer. To do yes. so, he'll have to decline his $18 million player option. This is a guy that's, you know, one of the more notable shooters on the team. He's had yeah. some injuries, though, that he's had to deal with. And another guy that's come up in trade rumors as well. In your crystal ball, what do you, <laughs> what do you predict? for the future of uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich this summer. Well, I guess, first off, do you agree with the assessment that as of now that he would opt down and hit free agency? And do you think he'd be back?
1: Hmm. Well, can I just say that I would like Bogdan Bogdanovich or excuse me, Bogdan Bogdanovich to opt in and stay just because he is just one of the nicest people <laughs> that you will have ever met. Uh, <laughs>
0: I'm not. I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing at the the, the Bogdanovich pronunciation had a little bit of the like Moses Moody. Moses Moody. Bogdanovich.
1: reminded what me of it.
0: Reminded me of Perk Moses Moody. I'm just I'm <laughs> busting your chops. It's all love, you know that. No, of
1: that, course, bust my chops. But the, um, he we're is all a friends good dude.
0: Here. He is a good dude. Okay, that's great,
1: dude. That's half.
0: That's half the battle in a locker room, and Lord knows, doing our job.
1: Exactly. He's a great dude. I'll, I'll tell you a quick, funny story. So obviously he had surgery this off season on his knee. Um, and so he's been working to kind of get back into shape ever since he got the go ahead to do that. And then went on to, he missed the first 24 games, but he was still rehabbing through working hard, working to build strength in that area. And then, you know, he, he's played, pretty much every game since then. And so he hasn't really had a lot of time to get rest again. And so, you know, before the all-star break, it it seemed apparent that he was starting to kind of get those heavy legs. And when he came back from the all-star break and we spoke to him in his media availability, he was like, he joked that he didn't have to do anything during the break. And he was shocked. He was like, you mean, I don't have to do anything. (laughs) And and he didn't, he, he by and large didn't do anything and he rested. And, you know, it's kind of clear that we're starting to see the benefits of that rest um, just because he's been shooting really well ever since. So, again, I think I would love to see Bogey come back. But I also understand that, you know, he's 30 years old, which is weird to think that that's old by NBA standards. Because <laughs> it's like I'm 30 and I feel young, like a spring chicken. But again, in NBA years, that's a, that's a little on the older side. And so he's going to, I understand he's going, to you know, if he wants to try and cash in and maybe get a better deal somewhere else, maybe, you know, someone is looking to give him a bigger role. I, I don't see why he shouldn't do that. But I also think that because of that injury history and because of Um, that kind of slump that he had because of those heavy legs, it's also hard for me to see somebody giving him more than $18 million. And and so shooters are always going to come at a premium. The NBA always shocks me with what, you know, it decides to pay players, but, um, yeah, it's just, I kind of see his best option being opting into that.
0: I think what's interesting about Bogdan w- with that number, I mean, when you talk about shooters, right, and them having a, a premium mm-hmm. in the league, you look at the deal that Davies Pertan's got, Joe yeah. Harris, Malik Beasley. I think, if anything, I think he can get around there, if not maybe a little bit more with the cap going up. Mm-hmm. The time will tell on that, but I do think... um He'll be coveted in that regard. I think Atlanta is going to have a decision to make. They got to look yeah. at the luxury tax ahead and yeah. all those things. But those are kind of the main topics I thought of. And when I, when I thought of this team, is there anything else on the Hawks radar that fans of this team should be keeping an eye on or more importantly, that you're keeping an eye on?
1: Absolutely. I think as time goes on and, and Quinn Snyder kind of continues to, Figure out this roster and and how best to utilize the talents that he it has. It's going to be interesting to see how these rotations shake out. I think one of the things that when we watched Nate McMillan coach this team, it seemed as though he got tied to a rotate like a schedule as far as rotations, right? So it's just interesting to kind of see how he adjusts and. Um, isn't married to one specific thing. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see how he experiments with different pairings, what, you know, what we expect to see with different guys on the floor at different times and, and how that shakes out. And so I think that's something to continue watching, especially one thing that he touched on is, is with the younger players. I know fans absolutely love watching AJ Griffin and Jalen Johnson get minutes, but when you look at the reality of the situation, there's only so many minutes to go around. And um if if we're factoring in his background of keeping players accountable accountable, excuse me, how how that affects the minutes that maybe some of the starters have, especially if they're not making the right decisions, or if he notices that they're uh, starting to get tired or whatever it is, you know, who he starts to plug into those moments and and how these guys compete for for longer playing time. So I think that's something to continue watching, especially because, like like I said, fans love watching the young guys plays, but play. But the fact of the matter is this is a playoff team and you usually don't see young guys um, get a lot of run on a team that's looking to make their push into the playoffs. So yeah, a lot to, to keep watching ahead. I think with this shift, uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting to also see how, uh, Quinn starts to put his own stamp on things. I mean, right now we're still watching kind of that old system play out. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see like, okay, this is a Quinn thing versus this is what has worked for this team so far this year. Um, and If they start to move away from that before the season is up,
0: so we've got a lot to keep an eye on. We got a lot to
1: keep an eye on. We've
0: got Quinn. We've got Trey, John, Bogey, the young guys on Yeka, AJ, and everybody's got to keep tabs on your coverage of the Hawks at the Atlanta Journal Constitution as well. Lauren, I appreciate you joining me, taking some time out during the day. Always fun to catch up with you, and I'll see you when you're in town. But absolutely looking forward to it. And I also want to thank. Everyone else for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoops High podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members such as Lauren Williams, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can keep up with my tweets on Twitter, at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Lauren as well. She's at WilliamsLaurenL. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best.